0: From another time comes a man of great power.
1: Talk funny, Nash. Where are you from?
0: Lots of different places. A warrior of incredible strength. You've the devil in you. We've been kinsmen 20 years. Connor McLeod was my kinsman. I don't know who you are. Because you were born different, men will fear you. Try to drive you away. (laughs) A man uncertain of his future.
1: What you got here, Brenda, It's a guy who's been creeping around since at least 1700.
0: A hero who is about to face his greatest challenge. You will always be weaker than I. What can you tell me about a seven-foot lunatic hacking away with a broadsword at one o'clock in the morning New York City,
1: 1985? Not much. I have something to say. It's better to burn out than to fail. Highlander, there can be only one.
0: there can be only one that is the answer to everything we're back again another podcast another week and strangely enough we're back in the 80s we've got Highlander 1986 absolute classic I can't talk about this obviously without there can be only one that one is Neil how are you I'm
1: very well Steve very well um I, I'm pretty sure I'm number two in comparison to you
0: oh, But you're never a number two
1: Ah, that's very kind. I feel like it sometimes. I'm told it often enough, so you start believing it, don't you? Um, (laughs) Bless your heart. But, yeah, Highlander, a classic that you pulled out here, just decided randomly, I want to review Highlander, and I couldn't say no, really.
0: Yeah, it was just, i have gone through Netflix, and obviously it's easier just to go through Netflix, go through Amazon as we do, or Disney when we do our... um, hawkeye and just pluck something from there and there's so much to do and sometimes there's too much choice and you just can't find something to do mm. and i just found highlander and i thought wow i haven't seen this for ages let's just go <laughs> and revisit this film and just see if the nostalgia is there uh, to see if i like it sometimes you've gone back and done films and yeah. you look at it and then we've cringed and thought oh god i'm so embarrassed i really like that and I just wanted to see whether this would be the same but I mean tell me have you seen Highlander before we've done this review
1: I had but a very 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 long time ago so it was almost like watching it again for the first time wow. so yeah so yeah it was a very long time ago since what I've was seen What was your it.
0: memories of it mate Uh
1: I remember I think my main memory of it was probably Sean Connery um and his performance within it but um <laughs> And the fact it's obviously like one of those proper classic '80s epic action films, if you like. Yeah. And hundred oh, percent. Yeah, the bad guys' hair in it as well, which is also fantastic.
0: It's brilliant, isn't it? It really yeah. is. I mean, we kind of spoke about this briefly before. When I was very excited, that I suddenly thought, "Fuck it, let's go and do Highlander." That to me, it's got loads of nostalgia. It's got lots of kind of like personal connections, as in, like my dad, bless him. Uh, we watched this together. We were massive Queen fans, and they've just only meant to do one song for this. And then they uh, read the script, and they saw a version of this film before it was released. And then they loved it so much, they wanted to do more music. So they wrote a lot more songs for it um, to cover it, the whole thing, very similar to like Flash Gordon. And the soundtrack, It's a Kind of Magic, the album came out in 1986 as well, is an absolute brilliant album. And this song brings out so many memories. I think if it wasn't for the soundtrack,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I think I really would have been probably just, I enjoyed this film, we skated over it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I can see what you I mean. I, I quite like Queen music. I have to say it's, it's not really my cup of tea. And sometimes if you look at it, not being a Queen fan, you sometimes think this really dates this film massively. Yeah, in relation to music. But obviously, if you like you say, you've got so much nostalgia attached to it and stuff like that, that it it, it heightens it for you, doesn't it? So.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you kind of you look at it and you think because when you think Queen were well, massive, they, they really peaked. They did the Live Aid in um, July in 1985 and they were they just took the, that show by storm. And they're like the biggest memory from that. So 1986, when Queen was still at their peak, when they were just untouchable to, to come out and do a whole soundtrack to a film. I mean, Sean Connery was like the, the massive attraction for this. I mean, when you look at the, um, the cast of this, Christopher Lambert, that he couldn't even speak English and he had to learn the English language to do this film. Really? Sean Connery. Yeah. Sean Connery was a massive grab. Um but then you had unknowns, to, to really like Roxanne Hart, who played Brenda Wyatt. Clancy Brown uh, was a known name, but in, this lifted Clancy Brown. And when I was watching an interview, it was quite funny, but it was the 30th anniversary of Highlander. And they all they went back to Scotland um, for this massive kind of show to um just to present this film all over again. And when they interviewed Clancy Brown, um who plays um the Kurgan. He was saying that Sean Connery only said four words to me within the first few days. (laughs) Then that was, do you play golf? To which I said no. Then after that, he didn't really speak to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing.
0: That was brilliant.
1: (laughs) And he said there was
0: no glitz or glamour. He said he turned up at Glasgow Station. There was no one to meet him. He didn't know where he had to go. He said he was going to sleep rough the first night. And then a copper moved him on. And then someone <laughs> came along and picked him up and he said, 30 years later, I've been trying to get rid of Highlander and it's still this thing carries on going. So you kind wow. of think your memories of this aren't really great, you know?
1: No, definitely not. That's, that's insane, isn't it? That
0: kind oh, of story. It's, oh, it's it's, Brilliant. It it's so unbelievable.
1: Good.
0: Yeah. And even when. Like Sean Connery did all of his part and took him—not that he's in it much—but it took him a week and he got a million pounds for doing wow. it for a week. It's and not what's bad going? Oh, it's not bad going, and unbelievably, and this is what's so funny that he had a voice coach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? I know. I don't know what for. Oh dear lord, that's amazing. Yeah, voice I, coach to sound like Sean Connery. It's yeah, to sound like him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wonder if you had a voice coach when he was uh, James Bond. It yeah. sounds the same.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the same. That voice coach is onto a winner because he's like, "Oh, can you? I'm going to hire you again." Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs>
0: it's so yeah. good, isn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. So there you go.
0: Yeah, wow. yeah, I know. I mean, it's directed by somebody I've never even heard of before, Russell uh, Mulcahy. And it didn't make a lot of money, really. It actually bombed. Uh, and it's made more money, obviously, follow up on um, release on DVD and video and stuff like that. I mean, the budget was 16 million. Opening weekend was 2 million. Ooh. And it grossed worldwide only 5.9 million. Wow. Um, approximate. Oh. So it's a proper bomb, which is That's huge. Uh, yeah, and it, it's kind of, I'm glad in a way, as usual, it picked up speed on video. Um, yeah. And that obviously it became as popular as it did. But when you think, it, at that time, for for no one, for, for the cast it was, and Sean Connery was the only big draw in it, it was it was kind of fighting against in that Top Gun, Labyrinth, Stand oh, yeah. By Me. Short Circuit, Big Trouble in Little China, I mean, Crocodile Dundee, First Bueller's Day Off, the last three are all available on podcasts and Labyrinth as well for reviews. Should people want to listen, But, so you can understand why it didn't really do that well.
1: Well, yeah, it was fighting some big, big films, wasn't it? And yeah. from a technical standpoint, I think you either like this type of film or you don't. And a lot of these films do end up getting a cult following. But at the time, you know, if you look at it you know, as it is, it's not on par with those films.
0: No, nowhere near, man. No. I mean, you look at Top Gun, even Top Gun looks so modern. Even now, mm. Top Gun doesn't really look dated. It's only the planes that they're using. that. Yeah. And it, it's just great. I mean, it's so, so good. So even Ferris Bueller's Day Off to a certain extent. And when you've got big trouble in Little China, compare the special effects between both of them. I mean, film. this film's budget, and it—I think it's done well. Even to have the 30th anniversary, it just goes to show kind of what a cult following it has.
1: Well, definitely, and that's the thing. It's that type of film, isn't it? Certain people love it, and it—and it grew in pop, like you said, it grew in popularity with those type of fans. It's like a lot of these films that flop, isn't it? And yeah. but they still have a following underneath, if you like
0: yeah it's strange isn't it it really is but i think it would i think it's dated now i think only for for my generation in their 40s that who love queen who love the moment of the music around live aid and just it's just a great film and it just draw that nostalgia so but i think for younger ages it's sword fight and it's kind of dated a, a hell
1: of a lot yeah i think i think you're right i think a younger generation would definitely struggle to be able to engage with this film unfortunately yeah. um but yeah for for the oldies like us you kind definitely. of appreciate it for what it is
0: yeah i mean nice. for those for those who haven't seen it i mean the story is a very simple one it's an immortal scottishman um conor mcleod a swordsman he must confront the last immortal opponent uh, the murderfully brutal barbarian who lusts for the fabled prize, the prize being mortality. Once everyone is dead, they're basically there's loads of immortals walking around and they take each other out. And the last one standing has the prize. And that is the story. And it is available on Netflix in the UK. So um, watch it and then uh, come and listen to our review. So I mean, the, I love the start of this film I mean You've got kind of it's narrated a bit by Sean Connery who talks about the prize and the immortals walking around Earth, meeting um, kind of in various centuries, um, taking each other out. And I just, I mean, I wish we had James on the podcast for mm. the start of this because it goes straight into wrestling, doesn't it? Yes.
1: Yeah. As soon as I saw it, I thought James.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I needed James's advice. I needed his backup. Mm. I, I just, I was out of my depth, you know.
1: Completely. He was a professional wrestler, you know, I mean, you know, the stallion, the stallion. Indeed, he he was the only person that we could ever get any real uh, hindsight from, to be fair. Do you think they were real?
0: They were proper wrestlers, but were they? I wonder, famous wrestlers. I tried to find out if they were famous wrestlers, because I think it's at Madison Square Gardens. So I would have thought so, you know,
1: I think I recognize one of them. but I couldn't tell you who he is, the one that's got the really long hair and the red trunks yeah i recognize the face
0: but yeah yeah they probably are so i wondered whether i'd seen him because when i'd seen this before and i thought i remember him i recognize him but whether Mm. it's just from this film but so we're going to use a a hockey game as a build-up to that and seeing the combat in the hockey um that would kind of remind him of fighting and it's You get loads of flashbacks through this film, and when he's watching them fighting, he's in the crowd and he's amongst everyone shouting and screaming. He's closing his eyes, and and it's great because it goes back to the Highlands, which just has not dated. And it slow mows the two wrestlers beating a crap out of each other, even though it's fake. Sorry, James, but. (laughs) And and it goes to the the McLeod clan fighting in the Highlands. And it's funny because. He then goes down to the car park underneath uh, Madison Square Gardens and he's kind of looking for someone. He finds a guy called fasil who really reminded me of Edward Woodward, the equaliser, doesn't he?
1: <laughs> he does a bit, actually, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a good shout.
0: He's got a suit on and he just looks, got mirrored glasses and he looks well out of shape, doesn't he? Yeah,
1: he doesn't look like someone that's a, a very good swordsman. No. That's- Let's put it that way.
0: You know, I wanted to talk about that. I'm really so pleased you mentioned that. Because (laughs) when you think how long, and we'll get into this a bit more detail Mm. later, but just how long they've been alive. For instance, even in uh, 1536, when he meets, when Sean Connery meets um, Christopher Lambert, And he tells him, even then, in 1536, that he's been a liar for 2,437 years. That's when he was born. So when you think how old he is and how much sword fighting he's done, he's absolute crap at sword fighting. The choreography (laughs) is so poor. He'd be like a fucking ninja, wouldn't he? (laughs) That's
1: the thing. It's like he's either he was really good and he just can't be bothered anymore. Or the sword fighting back then was crap. <laughs> it's like I don't know which one it is. You know, Just it's, terrible. Yeah, the, yeah. The choreography, if I can actually speak, doesn't actually <laughs> do this film much much good, does it? To be honest, um, no, no. And I uh, love, and I, I think... love the, on, the fact that when they're fighting, that you can tell the sword noises have been put in as well. It's hilarious.
0: Well, do you know what they did? They when they were fighting to get the mm. sparks they had um a lead a wire going down their arm wrapped around the sword and it was linked to a car battery so when the swords oh hit God. each other it actually got those sparks uh Jesus. which it added for effect yeah which is why when it's raining and everything there aren't any sparks but when they're fighting without the rain, without the <laughs> the um the wall coming down they're actually I mean, linked that. up to a car battery yeah, like, yeah it's mental <laughs> isn't yeah it? no. Health yeah. and
1: safety would have a field
0: day with that one. Jesus, I know you think they can just special effects all of that in these days, but back oh. in the 80s, we're gonna link <laughs> your swords up to car batteries, but don't worry about it, <laughs> don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, so that's how they got the sparks, which are really effective. And the sword yeah. noises, I do love those sword noises, I think they're absolutely fantastic. And yeah. they're highlighted on the album as well. When a lot of Freddie Mercury singing through these songs, they're on there, but it, it's a really strange fight. It's really slow choreography and mm. then you see that old geezer doing backflips down the car. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I know. It's fantastic, isn't it? He, he's just clearly well, he's obviously a superhuman because he can do that. He's just he's just stopped off to have his fifth McDonald's of the day, but then he's done some backflips.
0: It's yeah. a proper random thing seeing Facile do those flips. But the it's weird cuz the it's just the choreography is bad. And I think if they had the choreography, if it was more intense, it would have been much better. But for kind of the first time viewing, when he does cut Fasil's head off. Yeah. And it it's great that he cuts his head off with no reaction of anger, of shock afterwards, or regret, anything. It's and then you see him kind of real Ghostbusters special effects going on with all the the cars bouncing and the window popping. If I park my car in that car park, I will be pissed off, you know? Oh, you
1: would, wouldn't you? You'd be like, who's paying for this then? (laughs) Fucking hell. Well, I just went to watch a wrestling match and my car's trashed. So what's that?
0: Um, I think... Is my insurance under supernatural powers (laughs) where damage will be covered?
1: (laughs) I've got to ask you a quick question, though, because there is a continuity error in this bit where... The guy gets thrown over the car and the cloud um, f- sees his glasses on the floor. Oh, yeah. And the next scene, he's got his glasses black on. Ah, oh, did I notice that? So did he leave a pair there to sort of put him off? Or was it just the fact that they completely forgot
0: his backup glasses? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's been in the game a long time He's experienced
1: That's it, decoy glasses like, oh, I know exactly. how to fool you Highlander
0: yeah. <laughs> Well Christopher Lambert Who plays Conor McLeod Throws his sword Into one of the uh, Just above one of the lights And he runs away Because the police are coming Everything has gone Pete Tong And then it goes to um, Glenn Finnan Back in 1536 And it's great Because you see a completely different Christopher Lambert And he's he's in the clan they're off to battle and it's got one of the actors who is if any time there is anything in scotland that needs someone who looks completely fucking hard it's james cosmo who plays angus MacLeod. he's hard as a coffin nail that bloke he? oh yeah he definitely
1: every everything he's in he's a hard nut because he's um He's the priest, isn't he, in uh, Sons of Anarchy as well.
0: He is indeed. He's great in that, isn't he? He is
1: very good. He's a very good actor, to be honest. He's, it's a shame he always seems to play that bit part, doesn't he? He never really has anything, or well, his own, yeah. I don't believe. Um, I can't recall him being like a leading anything.
0: No, nah, he always does play the quiet muscle, doesn't he? Um, yeah. And that's it. But yeah, as you say, mate, he is. And he's even in like, Braveheart and things like that. He's spot mm. on. And, and it goes to battle. And that's when we first see um, Clancy Brown, who is absolutely incredible. Even in Dexter, the brand new season of Dexter is in that, and he's he'll always be the Kurgan to me. And you see him, and he tells the Kurgan tells the clansman on his side, who's fighting against Connor McLeod, that do not touch him; he's mine. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting that when they are fighting, and it's a shame you can tell on budget because both armies are really tiny. It's like <laughs> a budget version of Braveheart in it oh,
1: it's massively yeah it's about 12 <laughs> blokes on each side yeah.
0: it is. it's like having a football match having yeah. a massive punch-up that's about the size of it yeah, it's, a
1: pub, <laughs> it's a pub brawl between yeah Derby he, and Nottingham Price he just
0: looks so good doesn't he his yeah. outfit with all black and the skulls and skeletons all over it and he looks horrible, he's really frightening. And apparently when he was dressed up and he really got into the part and kind of like Neffman acting to a certain extent, a lot of the cast and the crew wouldn't go near him because he was so <laughs> big and intimidating. <laughs> it's oh. so good. His interviews are really funny when he talks about Highlander. He, he doesn't talk about it with much favour, funnily enough. But
1: well, it's, I'm, uh, I'm not surprised.
0: No, no. It, it, but obviously he's done extremely well. But you get... Christopher Lambert's walking around this battle when everyone else is fighting. You've got Dougal, you've got Angus, um, his brothers, who are kind of in massive fights, and no one is touching him, and he just can't understand why.
1: He's like, what's going on? Why will no one fight me? Fight me, come on!
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd love it, honestly. being a complete pussy that I am. I'd love that.
1: Yeah. Oh no, no, you don't want to. No, okay. What about you? No, okay, fine. All right, I'll go. And... I'll sit down. And have a fag. It's fine.
0: Do you know, I remembered this to be a lot. I think it was... obviously I watched this like yourself when I was a lot younger, but mm. I just remembered it to be a lot more violent than it actually is. This film.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. To be honest, it, it isn't anywhere near as violent, is it? I mean, this fight no. scene itself isn't that violent. I think I find that. I think he's a priest or something, or a clergyman, that slips yeah. that guy's throat and then does the sort of cross sign. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's funny. There's uh, <laughs> there's there's an element of cheek to this film, isn't there? Yeah, it's along so the sneaky. way. Yeah. And always, I, I said when I was
0: watched it, um, with my better half, that you've got the guys who obviously aren't fighting. they have got the bagpipes, and they're just walking in. And when everyone's dead do they have like a bagpipe off battle to see <laughs> who wins? And what do they do? You know what I mean? It's just, they've got no weapons. It's just, that's sort of a dance off. Let's go. For it
1: not be hilarious. If they just at the end of it, go, all right. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. See you next time. Next <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. Good. Well played today, by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks mate. <laughs> You've been working on your fingering. Yeah. <laughs> it was
0: so <laughs> good. I'd love that. They should do that. <laughs> Alternative ending. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. You've seen the battle that amongst it, that when um the Kurgan and Connor face each other, that instantly that Connor McLeod gets stabbed with the sword, and you everyone else naturally thinks that he's going to die, and it's Angus and Dougal and everyone else kind of pull him away. And it leaves and it fades away with him actually laying on the floor. And then it flashes back to present day, back to 1986, with McLeod fleeing the car park after he just cut that guy's head off. And the, the police officers, who actually stop him conveniently as they pull in, it, it, it's, it's so funny. They're all gathered around him in exactly the same pose, with their legs apart, pointing the guns.
1: Oh it's, yeah!
0: It's so cheesy and tropey. It oh, really, it is. really is.
1: It is I love the fact that when he's going out of the car park, speeding out, instead of turning away from the police car, he turns into it. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well done, mate! Just literally, just turned left, so you would have escaped, would have been fine, but you <laughs> decided to turn right exactly where the police car was. It's like, well done. Yeah.
0: That's naturally convenient.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus, and he gets arrested, and, and then that's the first time you see um, Brenda Wyatt. Uh, played by Roseanne, uh, Roxanne Hart. And she's like a forensic analyst um, for the, uh, the New York police. And also, you see the detective who says, as soon as I saw her, I thought, Fuzzy Duzzy is a woman. Because <laughs> he's the one from See No Evil, Hear No Evil, detective. He is. is, isn't
1: he? <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, God. <laughs> Another one who's typecast. And he's so good. Because I'd love to think it's the same detective in the same world where in a couple of weeks later he's now gonna he's then going to investigate um, a blind guy and a deaf guy. But he just doesn't know it yet because it's <laughs> yeah. all in the same universe. I'd love yeah.
1: that. Oh, it would be brilliant if it was the same universe,
0: wouldn't it? It <laughs> would be amazing. I'd, I'd say, love I'd it.
1: Literally <laughs> just dealt with some sword bloke that's going around chopping people's heads off. And now I'm interviewing a deaf guy and a blind guy. Yeah, oh, it's brilliant, brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two that I
0: saw, I thought great. He's wearing the same clothes, everything. <laughs> it's just absolutely brilliant. But oh. He goes down it and she finds um the sword and it's the sword that belongs to Facile and um it's a Toledo Salamanca, which is worth a, over a million dollars apparently, which is really, really rare. And she's as well as being like a an expert in like forensics and that, she's really into swords and metals, funnily enough and conveniently enough. That helps play the story along as well. And when you see. Um, was it? Oh, Conor McLeod in interview. His eyes. He looks a freak. Doesn't he? There's something dead in the guy's eyes. Isn't there? He looks really weird.
1: He's like this in a lot of the film though. Isn't he? It's mm. almost like it's his characters. Literally the whole way through. There's lots of times in this where you just. You're looking at him you and Mate, you're a proper freak.
0: Yeah, you can think, does he just not understand what people are saying? Because you've only just learned the English language or, <laughs> or what is it? But he's got that real dead look in his eyes.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's just see, I'm, as we're speaking, I'm watching it now. And all I can think of is when he's interviewing him, <laughs> thinking of seeing how evil we're in, how evil now.
1: <laughs> yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, so
0: good. And I love it, the fact that you've got that copper in uniform with him um, oh, yeah. and he's given it all the fucking large and he's baiting him any all the time. And I was so pleased that for once uh, Christopher Lambert, Conor McLeod turned around and just smacked him in the face and none of his colleagues really stopped him from doing it. It's as if nah. like they've, they've all wanted to do it for so long, but they can't. <laughs> yeah, they've all
1: given him a pat on the back when he got released. So like, well done, mate. <laughs> You've all wanted to do yeah. that for fucking ages. <laughs> like,
0: Fuck you. Here's <laughs> yeah. a fiver. Well done, mate. He does he does use a woman the end of the day. <laughs> That's what it's all about. And it's great because you soon meet um, the Kurgan, Caincy Brown, when he checks into a hotel. And he's got that massive scar on his neck and his hair's all dyed black and he he's dressed very much like the Terminator, isn't
1: he? Oh, definitely. Definitely a Real goth homage to the Terminator. He would have been a
0: great uh, Terminator, wouldn't he?
1: He would have been. I completely agree, mate. I think he would have been very, very good. I like him as an actor. I I think he's fantastic. He was brilliant in Starship Troopers as well. Yeah.
0: He's a good actor. Uh, He's superb, isn't he? He really Mm -hmm. is. His sword work, when he's in that room, moving the sword around, I mean, it's the only good choreography in the whole film um, involving a sword when he's practicing and yeah. I'm really surprised when you see him in something like this that he wasn't going to typecast more, because I mean, you look at him he would have been great as the baddie in Cobra and just different roles like that Cause he's, he also, like Christopher Lambert, but more so to an effect where it helps his character that he looks dead and evil, doesn't he?
1: He does, he, yeah, I completely agree his sword yeah, work yeah. Is, is fantastic as well I had a a little look at that. Apparently, uh, sword people, uh, smiths, if you like, or fanatics, had Mm. real issue with his sword. And the fact that... Oh, really? Yeah, because obviously in the room, he's putting it together, isn't he? He's piecing it together. And they were just saying that the fact that if a sword was... If the blade... If you put the blade together in the middle like he does, it would just fall Mm. apart as soon as you started fighting. But I guess it's a magic sword or... You know, a very special sword. Or you know, I did like that, wonder but... that whether, yeah,
0: uh, uh, yeah I'm really, that's a good point. Because sword is in so many different bits. Of how mm. much strength that would actually give him um, to kind of wave the sword around. And but I, I obviously I have no knowledge of swords, and whether I did that whether swords actually can do that, click together. I got no idea. But nah. clearly, if the boffers are saying they can't, they actually can't. But you then see um, it moves on to. Um, What's her name? Brenda Wyatt, the forensic analyst, goes down to the car park um, where that sword is. She pulls more metal so conveniently from the wall, and th- this really is only a plot driver, just so she can work out that the the metal in that sword actually hasn't ever been created. There isn't on the scale um, of any metals that's currently about, and that it's been folded over 200 times and people just did not do that there isn't anyone around alive ever as far as she was aware who can do that is it
1: yeah back in those those times yeah i mean they do now but back in those the era in which it was supposed to have been made um it it was never possible apparently
0: no i don't know why that and she's being watched by Christopher Lambert, who goes down and gets his sword while she goes down and takes those metal samples. And then he follows her to the bar. He drops a hint about being at Madison Square Garden lately. So she kind of gets a bit of sniff of an interest from there. And then she follows him and he goes to this kind of, I don't know, it's like an empty building site. I mean, and he meets um the Kurgan there. And do you know, do you think he kind of sensed him or why he went there? Or do you, it's never really explained that they can get a sense of when someone's near them. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I found it all quite odd, to be honest. It it was, it's not a bad fight scene as it goes. No. Yeah. I don't know why he, it was quite a strange direction to take, wasn't it? The fact that he sort of went to the bar and started talking to her like the way he did, which didn't really make much sense. And then, yeah, she followed him because, because obviously he's heard him talking to her at the bar. is basically just egging her on. Yeah. So, yeah. I know it obviously drives the film, doesn't it? But it's, it was quite strange, but no, I completely agree about the fact, how did he know where he was and all that? Sort of, and why would he go there? That It was never really explained.
0: Yeah. No, because he does, as you say, he kind of, he does tease her a bit and she knows there's something to him. There's more going on than what he's actually letting on. But then why go and meet Nancy Br- um, Clancy Brown if yeah. he hasn't got a sword, knowing what a threat he is? It, it, it's, it's really, really strange. But a bit later on in the film, we meet, I think, what's his name? Cassier. Um yeah. Or Kastegir. He meets Kastegir. And again, it's not explained how they meet. It's a chance, I don't know if it's a chance meeting in the park and they just sense when another immortal's near. But why you'd go there without a weapon doesn't make any sense, does it? No, it doesn't. Never mind, uh, there are plenty of plot holes in this film. (laughs) And again, you get another flashback of when he's in his town. And like many of things, when it goes back to the old days, when there's something wrong, they always blame it on either being possessed, he's a demon, or... He's come back from the dead and stuff like that. And Dougal um, and his other brother Angus kind of kick him out, which is spurred on by his girlfriend at the time. And he gets a real pasting, doesn't he, from everyone. It's quite brutal.
1: Yeah, she's a proper bitch, isn't she, in this. Not trying to be horrible, but she's obsessed with the fact that he's got the devil in him. Mm. And that's why he's been able to be healed from this injury and no one else would be, stand, be able to stand that and live and she started saying he's in league with lucifer and all this sort of stuff and yeah his so-called brother uh then sort of says we're going to kick you out sort of thing he says he's not going to go so they put him in some sort of stock don't they and just kick the shit out of him
0: yeah and it's kind of Dougal who's really going for it and it's his bigger brother angus yeah who thankfully kind of protects him because Chances are they would have just beaten him up and stabbed him. He would have come back to life again. And then they would have just done it all over again. But mm. uh, thankfully he does it and he just kicks him out. Still with that stock attached to him. And uh, <laughs> he has to kind of make his way. And then you learn that back in the present day, it goes back again, that he's like a, an art collector at an antiques, as you would be from someone who's immortal. And when he goes into this little room, it's a really nice touch that in the room you can see um, Sean Connery. You can see Ramirez, his hat and his uh, mm. coat that he wears, which is quite a nice touch. And through there, he gets, again, more flashbacks. But this time he hasn't got such a bitch of a complete wife. He's with someone who's uh, called Heather, who's really, really nice. And you know when it gets really nice and that it's set up and he's happy. And she's yeah. she's a stunningly lovely lady that... It's going to go pretty wrong. It's going to go
1: wrong at some point, isn't
0: it? Yeah, Yeah, quite soon. And it does go terribly wrong because they run into Sean Connery, which (laughs) is terrible because he plays Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. And he's call him the Spaniard, but he says he's from Egypt. But as you can tell, his voice is not Egyptian or Spanish. Goody things. I am Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, chief metallurgist to King Charles V of Spain, and I'm at your service.
1: Who? Funnily enough, he sounds Scottish. (laughs) So you've got the Swiss man that can't speak English until this film playing a Scotsman, and then you've got the Scotsman playing an Egyptian Spaniard.
0: It's very good isn't it it is good and when you think bear in mind sean connery had a coach to actually get that voice the way he did and he does sound egyptian he really does
1: yeah sorry i'm being harsh he does very much sound egyptian spanish yeah yeah it's my ears sorry it is
0: yeah i've I've got that kind of i can hear the dialect you know i'm very very fortunate
1: you are yeah
0: it's not explained i mean it goes on through the film, and again, we've spoken about the sword fighting. And, and He knows it's Connor McLeod, he knows who he is. You don't know how he knows that, but he knows that he's been driven from his village of Glen Um, and you know, for five years, he's kind of been hiding really, um, with Heather. Uh, that he and he finds out that he's immortal and that he can't have a family whatsoever. Um, but it doesn't explain why he wants to help him when you think that they all want the prize they all want that mortality of why he's helping him and he never answers as far as i'm aware and i've seen this so many times that he never asks him that question
1: no he doesn't you're right i suppose i think how i took it was that sean connery knew that the kurgan was the ultimate badass if you like and many have tried to stop him and have failed so maybe he was he he knew or I don't know how he knew of McLeod and where he was and all these types of things. Like you say, it's not explained, but I'm guessing at this point they were just trying to find people or he was trying to find people that might be actually able to defeat the Kurgan. So he wasn't gonna be the one to have the prize, if you like. That's how I took it.
0: Yeah, because in the book, apparently it's explained a lot more, and the history Ah. of the Kurgans explained a lot more. Ah. And especially his childhood, that he was tortured by his dad, and in the end, he made his dad eat hot coals. um, (laughs) And he tortured his dad and killed his family and fed babies to wolves and all stuff Mm. like that. And it it was really, really violent. I mean, I must read the book. It sounds quite good. It Mm, might be a bit more of a, a character arc. But yeah, I suppose you're right that they all want to get the Kurgan, but you'd think. I mean, does that make Sean Connery a complete pussy that he's not willing to fight him himself? Like, unless he's put on the spot and that he's training someone else to do it, because he's going to have to fight um, Connor Mc- uh, McLeod anyway, isn't he? At some point, then.
1: Is that or I don't know because it's interesting because later on, him and the other guy who meet in the park that you've alluded to earlier, Castagir. Yeah, they're friends, so maybe they've said, you know, if someone else kills you, that's that's what happens, but we're not going to fight each other, because they're already immortal. So, I don't know.
0: Because when he maybe kills Castagir, there's only him and the Kurgan left, isn't there? So, when he meets Castagir, there's literally three of them left.
1: Yeah, so, but so it sounds like the Kurgan's just gone around picking them all off, hasn't it? That's yeah. That's how I've... Taken it, but again, I could be completely wrong, but that's just how I've sort of taken it, really.
0: That they're because all, if the Castig- yeah. I suppose if Castigir would have beat miraculously, would have beat um Kurgan, it would have been McLeod and Castigere fighting each other, wouldn't it?
1: Potentially, potentially
0: f- for the prize, really, unless... unless they just go on being immortal, yeah. Which if I don't they they see might... there's anything wrong with being immortal, though. That's the weird thing
1: about it. Well, no, it's the thing, I think. Unless they are so fed up with being alive. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's just... It's
0: that? strange, isn't it? Because I've is. always thought that the prize would have been being immortal. You know what I mean? Mm. You, the, the, and that's why they don't want the Kurgan to live, because he'll be immortal. And they, they're worried about him killing loads of um, human beings and enslaving them like he did um, when he was immortal back in like the 15th, 15th century. But, yeah. He'll just be mortal, and he can be shot and killed. So, I, I kind of—I I was struggling, unless I'd missed a major plot hole of struggling to see where the threat is. That he just becomes a normal human being. It's—it's it's strange, really.
1: I—I don't know. I guess that's the whole thing, isn't it? If you're immortal, eventually, I mean, there must be a point where you don't want to be around anymore.
0: So, yeah, I suppose you'll go insane with all the, the constant losses of love that, that you'd have and yeah. the fact you can't start a family and things like that it must be terrible but I, I don't know, it just seems seems strange but it's it's great and yeah. good special effects when they're out on that boat and he proves that um, <laughs> Conor McCow still can't understand the fact that he's immortal and he shakes the boat and it's very strange that he actually goes in the bottom of the lake and that he can stand up as if he's got weights on him. And it's yeah. he's uh, not really thought about that properly, has he?
1: No, it's it's brilliant. It's some of the funniest acting and everything in that, where he's just walking around on the bottom, like you say, and just sort of laughing, but he can't laugh because he's underwater and yeah. looking about and oh it's it's fantastic.
0: Really it is, and he tells him he can't <laughs> die and it's yeah. It's so so funny It, it really <laughs> is It is. It's so They've kind of got like A real bromance going Both of them haven't they through yeah. this
1: Yeah definitely They do I In mean, the beginning he's like a bit Unsure isn't he And he's, He thinks he's talking shit and stuff like that But I think when he comes out of the water And he tries to attack him And then all of a sudden he just disappears I find that bit Was really funny as well
0: Cause, yeah. How did he, he not tries see to
1: give him the Yeah, I oh, know he just vanishes into that. <laughs> he just
0: cut out of the fucking screen, isn't he? It doesn't make yeah, any sense. It doesn't. It's, it's so good. Brilliant. Yeah. And then he tries to give him the wise words of how things work out and think why things are the way they are. Why does the sun come up? Hmm? Or are the stars just pinholes in the curtain of night? Who knows? What I do know is that because you were born different, men will fear you, try to drive you away, like the people of your village. They're trying yeah. to be really wise words. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're That's, talking they're bollocks.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: And they, talk, they talk about the gathering, um, and then they show a montage of both of them fighting. And again, considering Sean Connery has been around for two and a half thousand years, he's so slow. He's like watching Pete Shilton in goal in Italia 90, that he's so <laughs> slow at moving. <laughs> and had he not been, we would have won that World Cup. And it's just shocking choreography. It is oh, really, yeah. really bad. It suffers. And no, I'm so surprised that um, Conor McLeod and Ramirez lasted this long of being that crap, because they are slow.
1: Oh, they are. Massively. They're terrible. And when he just literally pushes him over, because he, <laughs> he's just such a geriatric blessing.
0: <laughs> There's <laughs> a little bit of piss stain in his trousers.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it's supposed to be this badass fucking sawfire you just get pushed over. He's probably says, oh, I slipped on some moss. And
0: something. it's brilliant, because when they're on that cliff and they're doing those oh, kind of moves, you can see Sean Connery nearly falling over when he's just staring in the distance and looking... And the rocks are so unsteady that he's nearly falling over. And when they show that stag, um, they try to find a stag and they found one, but then he left. So what they (laughs) had to do was by the time they found that stag weeks later, the actual horns, the antlers had come off its head. So they got vetted to put the animal to sleep and actually glued antlers back on his head. (laughs) That's amazing. But is... so when you see it on, what is it, 47 minutes when they're on the beach running, in the background when they show that animal, the poor thing has got antlers glued to its head.
1: Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that is astonishingly good.
0: It is brilliant. And then they do an old version of Rocky Three of Apollo Creed and Sylvester Stallone running down the beach. Oh, I know. <laughs> and there is no way that is Sean Connery running. No. <laughs>
1: i think a lot of these scenes there is definitely not either of them isn't it on the when they're standing yeah. on the mountain top and fighting yeah. on those rocks and stuff you can, why would you round. go
0: to a mountain why would you climb oh. to the top of a mountain to have a sword fight when you're not gonna kill each other and their feet aren't even moving you could tell they're shitting themselves
1: oh yeah I'm fucking damn right you would be as well it's like jesus can you imagine falling off that and when he knocks his sword out of his hands and it's just gone down the bottom of this massive mountainside poor bastard's got to go and get that back
0: yeah Doesn't he? you never see poor Sean his face do you you no, just see don't. some geezer who's tanned up with a, a cheeky little grey wig on yeah. but I, I've never understood why people do that and just let's go to the top of a rock and now let's just fight on the beach because it's easier
1: No, but we go to a mountain it's bollocks it really (laughs) is
0: and when they're in the middle of their bromance fighting in the woods that's when even when he does get the better of him Connor McLeod agrees that they are friends even though you can see for once the look on Sean Connery's face that he's shitting it that he could actually get killed that there is that moment when he realises that they are together and they go to this massive fair and uh, he tells him that he's got to leave Heather because he can't ever have children because their type can't have children. And you're you're kind of what I like is that you're born into this. You don't realize that you're immortal and it's something you're born into. And that's when he tells him that he's been alive um, from 1536, 2437 years back from that, which is great. And, but I was really worried that they might do uh, another film showing Ramirez of what it was like going back there, and I would have hated the idea of them doing that, that would have been a fucking terrible film, it really would have been
1: well yeah, there's some things are best left untouched aren't there really, and that's definitely one of them yeah, but, and he does yeah. give
0: him his sword doesn't he, which is a proper nice sword I have to say,
1: it is a lovely sword, I have to say yeah. this whole immortality thing <clears throat> because obviously MacLeod has aged hasn't he up until the point he has now like everybody hmm. else around him When do they stop aging? Because he's now looks exactly the same for the next 300 odd years.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. He's I don't know. It's really interesting, isn't it? It would be so nice if he tells him that, even if um, Conor McLeod would have said, yeah, but you look an old bastard. Why is that? <laughs> and like if we said he smoked or drunk for the last two and a half thousand years and this is what happens. Yeah,
1: this is opium. This is what opium <laughs> does to you. <laughs> I
0: mean, who's their dentist, you know? Has
1: yeah. he got teeth
0: still? Yes, yeah, that is Yes.
1: That is a very good point.
0: <sighs> exactly. They're not wearing glasses, so they can clearly see. But you then you then get the moment where you've got Sean Connery and you've got Heather, you've got Ramirez and Heather. Um, back at their house and everything's going swimming and this is the moment and it it must be as we are talking earlier he must sense because he gets a sense that something is happening and all of these birds fly away Um, the pigeons and it's the Kurgan turns up it's Clancy Brown and he looks like he should be in a heavy metal band isn't he he looks so badass
1: oh yes definitely all this crazy shit and his massively long hair yes yeah
0: and his proper. voice as yeah. well, isn't it? It's yeah. so good. He's got such a deep, horrible, scary voice. It's absolutely oh, yes. brilliant.
1: Yeah. It's, it's good. He's a great character in this. He's a proper bad guy, isn't he? That's the thing. That's, the thing. That's what I like oh, yeah. about him. He's just horrible. It's he's, he's good.
0: Yeah. And, and you, you get loads of screaming. And you, he cuts um, his throat, doesn't he? He cuts the Kurgan's throat. And you kind of think that and i don't know why especially he's been alive for over two and a half thousand years why he thinks that might have taken him out but it just end of the day pisses him off and i have a sword fight and no surprise that he gets the better of uh connery and what did you think of this sword fight
1: um it's good to a certain point and really weird and bad at other points I think going back to what you're saying when he obviously slit his throat I think he was hoping that he chopped his head off right, or something like that so it would have killed him but obviously unfortunately for him he's just sliced his throat so which is obviously just because when you see him don't you in the future he's got it all stapled sort of closed yeah. and stuff like that so I think he was hoping that he'd ended him, but he unfortunately hadn't but yeah it gets a yeah. bit crazy doesn't it with the sword yeah,
0: yeah it does and, and what I do like though is before he does kill um, Sean Connery that when he looks at Heather that he tells the um, Kurgan that she's mine who is the woman oh, she's mine ah,
1: not for much longer night you sleep in hell there can be only
0: one and there's no mention that she belongs to uh to Connor, which which is great, but nevertheless, it, it doesn't stop her from I should imagine getting raped multiple times no. by him, um, which thankfully you don't see. And again, when he cuts off um, Sean Connery's hair head, when he cuts his hair, <laughs> that would have been interesting. <laughs>
1: Can you sit down there? I'm just going
0: to give you a trim. A child's <laughs> version of this this film. He just cut hair. You you do get the skylight up and, and it and the special effects can be forgiven for being as bad as they are because it is eighty six yeah. but it does look good when he's lit up in the background and uh, the the lightning's there and the wind's there and and then he kind of falls off and you get it when he says hello pretty he just says it <laughs> in such a a sex offender horrible disgusting oh, does, doesn't way
1: he? doesn't he yeah he's, he's vile
0: he's yeah. Um...
1: I do like the fact that, for some reason, he can hit the castle so hard that it falls apart, yeah, around him. I found that brilliant the old polystyrene bricks falling everywhere, but Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: no, it's good and and you get um it goes say it goes back to, get to the future, play another podcast available <laughs> it is all three of um all three of them exactly on YouTube and on all good podcasting platforms. You get Brenda Wyatt going back. Um, she's kind of hounding. She's after um, Connor because she doesn't believe any a word he says and there's more to it. And I really like the character. And the bit where which is one of my favorite scenes is when they go back to World War Two when you've got Rachel, who's his secretary. Um, and it shows you how he came or she came into contact with um, yeah, yeah. Connor Cloud and how he saved her in the Second World War this scene apparently just reading through um, kind of half-assed research on the internet that they were having so much fun. The crew were getting on so well and the cast were getting on so well. They filmed additional scenes and okay. this was one of the additional scenes that they filmed um, for a bit of fun. And it, it really, really works. Doesn't it?
1: It does. It's a really nice story, isn't it? That he, he saved her from the Nazis and almost certain death. So it, it was a good fun scene. To be honest, it was nice. I did think that the, yeah. she got shot, though, at one point, because he gets shot in the back, doesn't he? Yeah. Like yeah. Nancy, and it looked like she gets shot as well, but she doesn't. And then he Yeah, it, it's out.
0: really, really good, isn't it? The fact yeah. that he sees her, and the, the German's there, and shoots him in the back, and and he says to her those immortal lines of that brilliant Queen song. It's a kind of magic. And yeah. I, I just... <laughs> Uh, It must have been so tempting just to play that song. I mean, it's played at the end, but it's such a brilliant line. I just think it's so great. The way he kind of winks and says it's a kind of magic. I love it. It It's so, so good.
1: Don't be afraid. What's your name? Rachel. What happened? Everybody's dead.
0: Shh. I'm like you. I'm alone. Come with me.
1: brilliant
0: they should have played played the music honestly think
1: yeah they should have done yeah i mean yeah that's the thing i suppose it's something they did for fun and to do a few extra bits but then it turned out to be a very good sort of plot driver and lovely part of the film yeah
0: and she's great the secretary she's a really attractive stunning lady very soft-spoken very Mm. ladylike and it's nice the the bond that He rescued her all in the Second World War. And she obviously knows his story um, and has kind of been by his side and protected him for so long. And I would have been quite happily more of a backstory of her and carried on a bit more about her and them because I I thought she was nice. I I preferred her presence on screen than I did Brenda Wyatt, than Roxanne Hart, the forensic scientist. I don't
1: know what you thought. Yeah, no, it's almost like a... um father-daughter sort of relationship wasn't it a little yeah. bit because he obviously has cared for her ever since he pulled her out of France I'd imagine so, um, so
0: yeah it's a
1: nice story but no I think her acting in this is very good to be honest yeah,
0: yeah. she's great
1: yeah
0: and it's strange because they do go to have dinner together and he says to her do you cook rather than she go out for a meal it's like do you cook I'm come around your house And he invites himself around her house and she's got everything set up. She's got the gun in the drawer. She's got, she's recording everything. And he brings a present round and it's to her book. And that's when he kind of calls her out to who she is and that you've been lying. And there's the police outside watching. So he thinks that he's being set up by her, that they're doing some kind of covert operation on him, but it kind of isn't that case, but it's, it's a needless, pointless storyline in this film, this isn't it?
1: yeah it's a really, really odd scene. He is so creepy throughout all of this, isn't he? Yeah, his eyes are just so i don't know I don't know what how, he, how he's trying to play it like aloof, but really isn't
0: yeah, it's like the cinematography of it the way he's standing yeah. there that it's dark and they've got that streak of light going across his eyes that are just like the dead zone, but it's really strange. And, uh, but I don't know what they're trying to get out of the fact that she, he thinks that he's being set up and being followed and she thinks he's a mortal. And it it just, I don't get anything from this scene. And for a film, that's just for an hour and 50 odd minutes, it, it is a padded out film. A lot of it is padded out. And, for instance, it goes next to Scotland, back in um uh, fifteen thirty, must be a fifteen forty odd, where you've got Heather and she's an aging Heather now that she's again the makeup is shocking that he hasn't aged <laughs> at all and all they've done is she hasn't got a wrinkle on her face, bless her. They just greyed her hair out of a and <laughs> decided she's about eighty, but it's terrible makeup. It is awful. Oh,
1: it is, and the fact that. You know, I'm not trying to be horrible, but I don't think they lived that long in those days anyway. No. Um, to be fair. Um, but, you know, it is lazy, isn't it? They've put no effort into it whatsoever. Just <laughs> put a grey wig on her, say she's going to die, and she can, they can have some soppy lines. But it just, it, you know, yeah. it does add to the fact that, like um, Sean Connery's character said, you know, let her go. No, No good will come from it. You know, you can't have a family, and you're a loser anyway, but he doesn't want to listen to her, uh, listen to him. But he was, he was right to say it, wasn't he? It was
0: like, you know. Oh, definitely. And it's a really, it's such a nice moment because she's such a lovely lady Mm. and you can tell he really loves her. you've got, excuse me, you've got the queen song, who wants to live forever, which will be playing as well. And it's just, it's a really, really nice. It's one of the most believable moments in the film for me of, watching, when he has to watch the woman, the only woman really he's loved, die.
1: My beautiful man. My husband.
0: I am that, my love.
1: I've never really known. What? Why you stayed. Because I love you
0: as much now as the first day we met. I suppose when you're talking about the curse of being immortal, this must be the curse, mustn't it?
1: Well that's it. Like yeah, it is. It is the curse. I mean you could have all the money in the world and he's you know he's clearly well off and everything, but anyone he ever cares for will die and he won't. You know, it's gonna be very lonely or you've got to get to grips with the fact that you're basically gonna be on your own forever in a sense and you've just got to use people for as long as you want before you get attached to them. Which is a really horrible way of looking at life. Yeah, and it, it's
0: see? Yeah, completely mate, completely agree with you. And it's it's such a nice, nice moment for them mm. together as well as it is sad. But he does then go and meet um Gear, and they talk about old times and again it kind of goes through a really funny scene of when they're having that duel back in the old days. <laughs> and it's it's so good isn't it it's so funny that oh. he's fighting obviously some aristocrat some snob and he's got his trusty steed next to him who keeps giving him a sword and every time he stabs um, mcleod he keeps getting up again and he can't work out why this guy isn't dying is he missing him and it, it's so <laughs> funny i love this it
1: is brilliant isn't it because he keeps stabbing him and he keeps just getting up again and going oh, yeah, Let's let's talk about it i'm really sorry and he's so pissed he's looking the other way and keeps falling over and stuff and it, it it's brilliant. And then his uh, his ward says, Shoot him, sir. Just shoot him yeah. and instead <laughs> of shooting him he just turns round and shoots the ward instead. It's like, Will you shut the fuck up?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's absolute class, isn't it? It's absolute brilliant. class.
1: It's silly, but it's brilliant at the same time. Yeah. It was it was a welcome addition, I think, to, Yeah a film definitely. that is trying to be serious Um yeah it was brilliant it was a fantastic addition
0: yeah yeah definitely and then from there it goes back it bounces back to the future where you've got the Kurgan in his hotel when he's leaving and you've got the real sleazy disgusting guy who works on the desk who speaks to him and then he turns around and uh, understandably even the, the um the Kurgan is sick of listening to the guy's mouth and he turns around and threatens him and the guy shits himself <laughs> literally doesn't he don't ever speak to me Look, I didn't... don't ever speak to me again do you understand
1: Good. I think anyone would, mate. To be fair, fucking hell. If he came up to you and grabbed you round the throat and started throwing you about and saying, Don't ever talk to me again, yeah. I think a bit of a bit of wee would come out.
0: And <laughs> a bit of poo <laughs> I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> completely. But I love the fact because this is a real dive of a hotel in there, and there's that that guy that sat in the chair and he just starts laughing at him.
0: Yeah, you take the same. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, uh, no
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's a really random scene because on there you've got um Kastiky, then obviously, funnily enough, gets his ass royally handed to him. And strangely enough, considering how old he is, he's really shit at sword fighting as well.
1: Yeah. I don't know. They've obviously all gone to the same shit school of sword fighting. <laughs>
0: It must have been Ramirez that trained him, I reckon.
1: Yeah, Ramirez and his <laughs> c- uh, speech coach. Yeah,
0: <laughs> But he has that fight. And then you've got, and I love the fact they've got some sort kind of a random character in it. You've got this gun nut who thinks that the war isn't over um, yeah. wearing his T-shirt about killing commies and stuff like that. And he just sees them fighting down the alley and he's got a bag full of machine guns and he shoots um, the Kurgan loads of times. And then he just gets up and he kind of uses him like a kebab, doesn't he? He just gets his sword and just sticks it right through him.
1: He does, yeah. Again, uh, I, don't, just, I don't quite understand this guy. What's the point of this guy?
0: Yeah, I do
1: I really he, didn't get it.
0: If you saw two guys having a sword fight down an alley and one of them get their heads cut off, what, what business have you got running down there? and ploughing loads of one of them with loads of bullets it just it, i don't know it was such a random thing to do wasn't it
1: i don't know He's clearly because he's driving around in the like you say with this bag full of guns he's clearly trying to find someone that he can shoot because he's probably you know having all sorts of issues after being in the war and stuff like that and hasn't quite been able to let it go or whatever. Yeah. but still like you say two fucking mental people and you've just seen someone chop someone's head off I don't know
0: yeah and then it gets even more random of after he's killed um uh Castergear and speared that guy then he gets into this car belonging to the old people and the granny's still in there and she ends up doing like a police academy hanging off the bonnet of the car whilst he's driving it at the high speed down the road and she's on the car and it's such a random weird scene isn't it
1: but I question why as a lovely old couple driving around the red light district because there's just prostitutes everywhere.
0: Maybe it's his birthday.
1: Maybe. It's like, come on, darling.
0: <laughs> but it's really weird. And then they go to the hospital and that geezer, despite having a massive 12 foot sword through his body, yeah. is still alive and able to he's talk. Fine.
1: He's in fine. Hospital. Yeah, he's, he's got, got no tubes
0: down, down his throat. Nothing like that. He's absolutely no. fine.
1: That's how good the Kurgan is. He missed every vital organ, including (laughs) the spinal cord. It's fine. (laughs) But
0: when you see that detective's face, he's a detective with permanent confusion on his face, isn't he? Yeah,
1: he is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's It's so good. I want him to talk about the Richard Pryor case now, halfway.
1: He's Uh, He's probably walked in there going, is this one deaf? blind
0: is he a mime or is it you know
1: what kind of weird shit am i getting into this time yeah
0: (laughs) i tell you one one bit i did like was when they were getting a hot dog and he was having his ass ripped to him by the hot dog vendor about how incompetent they all are
1: (laughs) yeah it's good to be fair isn't it
0: yeah, oh, you'd love to do that wouldn't you it's oh, brilliant yes. I love the fact that he's ripping them and they just can't do anything about it but uh, it's so funny and for some reason it goes back to uh, Brenda Wyatt the forensic detective and she's really got like a bug stuck up her ass about bloody Connor McLeod and she even goes through like death records and who's owned the apartment that he's in to try and find out how long he's been there and then you get that um, the line from, oh, oh, first of all, you get one of the, the shittiest, oldest, tropiest computer programs. Known oh, is just? Where they analyse the writing. It's absolutely terrible. It's so tropey.
1: Yeah, I, I can't imagine that ever was in existence. But there again.
0: No, no, I, <laughs> no. it's just awful. <clears throat> and then he gives that amazing line.
1: So what you've got here, Brenda, is a guy who's been creeping around since at least 1700 tending to croak every once in a while leaving
0: all his goods to kids who've been corpses for years and assuming their identities I understand that she doesn't believe him but again this is all side story that really isn't of any interest to me that he's around from the 1700s I mean I'd rather her discover it another way than all of this backstory investigation it's just padding out the film for for a reason that I don't really give a toss about you know
1: well Who's going to believe her? No one's going to believe that this guy's hundreds of years old. No, whether, whether they turn around and say, oh, well, this guy that can match up writing has turned around and said that all these people are exactly the same as Simon, that would never stand up. No one would ever believe it. So I don't it didn't really add anything to me, apart from the fact of her storyline within the film. But like you said, no. you don't really give a shit about that. You just want to have the Kurgan and him
0: yeah, the more I just want him. I want to I want um, Clancy Brown's screen presence because you're so yeah. right. And I, I said this um to one of my mates at work that if I was investigating a, a, a newspaper article or just something like that in her position, and the only possible scenario could be that this person was around in the 1700s, I wouldn't believe that I was right and someone was around in the 1700s. You know, you it's just you'd just be puzzled you wouldn't then buy into the idea and go well it must be true because the signature says it is true it's yeah it's just ridiculous but you're
1: completely right because even if it, you did turn around and you said well that's the only possible explanation as stupid as it is or as crazy as it is, if you took that to your editor they turn around and say piss off go yeah, and find something, yeah write something else because i'm not printing that in my paper you know unless it's <laughs> yeah. in something like the private eye or some other weird, shitty yeah. magazine. You know, they're not going to be interested, are they? No,
0: it's like the headline from, that like, the Sunday sport. Man lives <laughs> who was born in the 1700s. Just... <laughs> You'd expect it in a paper like that.
1: Yeah. And they just have a big pair of tits next to it. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Just to make it topical. Cindy from Swindon says that her boyfriend was alive in the 1700s. (laughs) Buy this paper to find out more. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Plus, it's full of boobs. Yeah. But. And then it goes to, I mean, thankfully, we do get the Kurgan on the screen. My favourite scene in this whole film, the church scene, it's absolutely brilliant. The dialogue between the pair oh, is yeah. so good. And when he finds out that actually Heather was his wife, the mm. joy it, it is it's brilliant, isn't it? And it, it, he's so good. The way he's l- kind of go, just licks, he sticks his tongue out to the uh, the nuns who watch. <laughs> he's vile. <laughs>
1: He's, yeah, he doesn't give a shit, does he? Because he talks yeah. about Sean Connery's characters and then says about the fact he raped his woman. And yeah, he, he sees the look on um Highlander's face, McLeod's face, and turn around and says, Oh, it's your woman. And the look, like you say, the look of delight on his face of like, Oh, I really? F-. He didn't even know, did you? Because she didn't tell him. He's just, yeah. Oh, the, he's so evil. And the fact he's got no. He doesn't care about the church. He doesn't believe in anything apart from himself. It's it's brilliant. It's a fantastic character. Ramirez was an effete snob.
0: He died on his knees. I took his head and raped his woman before his blood was even cold. I see. Ramirez lied. She was not his woman. She was your woman. Yeah, and when he turns around and does that famous line, I mean that line was um, from a one of his favourite songs, of one of his I can't remember the group now, but from a heavy metal band that um, they came up with that line, and it, it's just so good. It, it's delivered brilliantly, and it sounds so good.
1: I have something to say. It's better to burn out than to fade away.
0: And it, it just does not care. He's there for the moment. He doesn't care who he kills and who gets in his way. He wants that prize. It, it's just so good. It's so iconic, and I, I just yeah. I love it. And it's it's in so many of the Queen songs as well on a kind of magic. It's brilliant. But you do get thankfully the clarity for um, Brenda and well, just for her, Brenda really when she goes to meet. <laughs> um connor and thankfully he tells her that he was born in this time and that he is immortal and he gets a knife and he kind of stabs himself or forces her to stab him and i would have rather have had this and bang stone bonker it's all done i don't need any investigation any bollocks and you could have cut out 20 minutes from this film yeah it would have been much much better and you get when they do go out down the zoo together, you, you can see in the background, the uh, watching both of them. Uh, and from there, he goes back and it's, I, I would, have, would have wanted more, but when he kidnaps, um, when the Kurgan kidnaps Brenda, he's, he kind of, he chases her down and it's quite scary. You've got kind of like the camera, the, the smooth camera just following her mm. and his face. He's, he's obviously enjoying what he's doing, but he doesn't beat her up and he doesn't, for someone who's quite violent, not that you want to or you want to see it, but he doesn't kind of like rape her or sexually assault her or or do anything to her, does he? He just takes her to the top of this building and waits for Connor McLeod to come. It's a bit... Yeah. I don't know, it's just not what you'd expect from someone who is so evil.
1: No, I, I, yeah, I completely... I can't disagree with you, mate, at all. I think going back to the scene just very quickly, when McLeod... Hmm. Um, Gets her to stab him, and it's like almost. Ah, like, oh, see, I can't die. It'd been hilarious if she turned around and stabbed herself, thinking it was like a joke knife. <laughs> 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 it's like, no, 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 it's real. And she's like, shit. Oh, <laughs> oh that would fucking great. But uh, that's just my <laughs> twisted sense of humour.
0: Um, so if she would have like like shot him in the head, then he would have just had a massive scar bullet hole on his head, wouldn't he? Yeah because when you see which is a really good look as well and i posted the picture on uh twitter and on i think on instagram as well at the film cast yeah. of clancy brown with those when he's had his throat cut um by ramirez he's got those paper clips i'm <laughs> uh, sorry those um nappy pins yeah. uh, in his throat holding his neck together and you can see the latex obviously the special effects and yeah, makeup's terrible but it's a really really good idea isn't it oh
1: it's it's yeah, it's great. It's just it just shows savagery and yeah, like you say, heavy metal side of yeah. it. But yeah, I think I think you are right in the sense of when he kidnaps her, he doesn't really do much apart from scare her half to death with his driving at cars and he, he's on the bridge and he's driving at speed and just being an absolute nutter. And she gets so scared that she basically faints or sort of collapses, doesn't she? Yeah,
0: it's just so convenient, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's, convenient really to the standard where it's getting a bit weak and yeah. the fight at the end on top of that building, I mean, visually it looks okay, but mm. the, the choreography, what did you think of this last fight? It's the final battle, it's good versus evil, it's for the prize. What did you think of it?
1: It was alright. I can't say it was really terrible. It had a lot of the tropes in it though, didn't it? The fact yeah. that he obviously started cutting down the sign that she's been taped, strapped to, and stuff like that, and they knock over the massive water tower and stuff like that. But I, I didn't, I didn't not enjoy it. Let's put it that way. I thought it was quite good. I, I'm guessing you think differently.
0: I, 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 no, I don't mind it. I mean, it, it reminded me of shoot them up when they were on top of that sign and he shoots the signs and he turns around it's got fuck you written in the signs <laughs> just as a pistol. That would have been really, really good. It, it did remind me of that. Another podcast available, one of your worst films ever, isn't it? I hate
1: that film so
0: much. It's, <laughs> it's a good podcast, though. It's, it's a great
1: podcast, but my God, I hate that film.
0: Um, I, I, I found that when they were fighting, you've got all of, obviously, the lights kind of, Kind of flash in and, and it's just it's a bit hectic and you've got the special effects but you can really see which I think, I don't know if it's makeup but the latex on top of his um, Clancy Brown's yeah. bald head yeah, it really stands out it's really strange isn't it
1: yeah the, the the special effects and stuff like you say, there's blatantly parts within this that it's not those two fighting and it's just someone with a rubber bit on their head and stuff yeah. like that Yeah, it's,
0: it's like it's shocking kind of skull cap that uh, skin colored skull cap that he's wearing. It it, it kind of pulls you out, but it's a good fight. I mean, when it is then the choreography again, is one thing in this film, very much like iron fist. that I was looking forward to does let it down for two people who are the two superior um, immortals fighting. It's, it's not that great and Mm. when they fall down from the top of the roof of the skylight it's about a 50 foot drop it's the weakest landing on the concrete floor isn't it it really is
1: yeah Uh, they're immortal but surely they can still break a leg yes you know they've fallen like you say 50 plus feet down onto rock hard floor and uh no water comes with them either though no there's no blood about in water. And it's, yeah. you know, it's a bit damp down there, but, you know, you'd
0: think there'd be a torrent. <laughs> Do you know what this reminded me of? Uh, when you watch Blade 2, you've got um, Wesley Snipes fighting and you've got these massive floodlights uh, kind of behind them and they're like silhouettes mm. and he's fighting these other guys. It does go into too much cartoon animation.
1: Yeah.
0: This reminded me like a, a bit of a poor version of that, but the choreography is not too bad. Um, I just think that he kills... Um, the Kurgan too easy i was a bit Definitely. disappointed of, of and obviously there was only going to be one winner but it's a really really easy death and it's a really easy way out and i would have rather had a few more injuries than than just nothing he just cuts his head off and that's it and it, it's just a real shame he he starts cutting his stomach and he, he takes him down far
1: too easy it's weird, isn't it? Because he is—he's cutting his stomach and stuff like that, and you know he's clearly hurting him. And but when he, he does a close-up of Kurgan's face, and his eyes have gone pure black. Yeah, is that explained? so weird? It, it's, not it's, explained, it's not. is
0: it? No, it doesn't. It's just suddenly got contacts in, and he doesn't. There's. It just looks so weird. I can't explain it. Looking at it, he looks so weird. he's I don't know whether they're saying he's Kind of, he's dying and this is what he looks like but it, it just I honestly don't know why they've chosen to go down this route and he leaves himself open he puts his arms in like a crucifix position leaving his stomach open and he gets cut again and then yeah. he just cuts his head off and obviously he's got the prize and the windows explode and that's it and it's just a really weak ending of this film which I was really really disappointed for because I mean, these films don't get any better. Unbelievably, they get worse as they go on. And the the sequels they did and the series they did of this was fucking shockingly bad.
1: Yeah, they did do a series, didn't they? Oh, it was
0: awful. Talk about getting blood out of a stone and it's (laughs) just really, really bad. But yeah, it does end. He does have the prize and she kind of witnesses um, him getting the prize of mortality when all the windows blow up and it ends with and it's a really weird ending when he goes back of all places um goes back to glenn finnan and he's talking to like the ghost of um sean connery isn't he and it's Mm -hmm. and then it just kind of fades out you've got the love mean, the scenery wise is absolutely stunning um and you even see the the kind of flashbacks of ramirez there but it's and that's the way it ends and i i wish they would have just left it at this film that like they i know I'm, they always milk these things to death and explained that yeah. we've chatted about it but well, you have it's such a shame isn't it
1: it is a, you know it, it was good as a one-off and the funny thing for a film that have made such a loss in the cinema why on earth did they think oh let's make another one because yeah i'm sure the majority i know it got its fandom and stuff like that and it's got a cult following but at the time surely they must have just said you know what we should probably leave this and like you say it didn't get any better so why do i don't no. understand why hollywood can't learn the fucking, you know because it was only made in 1991 so it was a fair few years after Mm. Yeah. what was that five years after the first one? five years after yeah the yeah. quickening and, it, and
0: unbelievably um he brings his uh reprises his role as ramirez I yeah. mean, did that um, did the voice coach get his job back and was he coached <laughs> by the same guy for that
1: film <laughs> Honestly. could you imagine has got michael oh. Ironside in it though so you know all's forgiven
0: and even the storyline of that, in the future, Highlander Conor McLeod must prevent the destruction of Earth under an anti ozone shield. I mean, God, what was it yeah, about I the know. environment? Trying to get everyone to drive electric cars.
1: <laughs> yeah, i don't know. It's just. Oh. I'm going to watch That was it. There you go. I might watch it if it comes on Netflix just for a laugh. Yeah. Um, but,
0: yeah. It's terrible. <sighs> so, but that is Highlander. I mean,. Your best bits, worst bits. What's your score? Would you recommend it, my friend?
1: I'd recommend, could I recommend it? I think I would recommend it because I enjoy it for nostalgia. And as an 80s action film, it isn't bad. There's definitely worse out there. Um, So yes, I would recommend it. Let's put it that way. But you have to take it with the fact that there are so many continuity issues with this film and it, is quite weak in a lot of ways, and I know you love this film, so I'm trying not to be mm. too hard on it to be honest.
0: You be as hard as you want, mate. But, um,
1: yeah, there's the acting's pretty dire throughout, and there's just so many plot holes in it that you know you, you need a bloody cement mixer to try and fill them in. We're from the local council, which would take too long anyway. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what's my best bits. I think my best bit. It has to be the you know the the bad guy in it. Um, he he was just so good. I I love yeah. him. He's he's he sort of saves this film for me. To be honest, his acting, his presence on screen, and I know the choreography and stuff like that's pretty pretty poor. But Clancy Brown absolutely saves this film for me. And I, I think the worst bit, and I always say this, I've bitched about it a million times, but the fact that they can't cast people from their own countries and you know sean connery playing a fucking egyptian spanish person and then speaks (laughs) in a scottish accent makes no pissing sense to me whatsoever if you're going to have him have him as a scottish a scotsman or whatever it doesn't need to be but anyway so i think that's yeah that's as much as i can say about it really please (sighs) please enlighten me stew with your thoughts. What would you give it out of five? What's your score? Oh, sorry. Rest? What was my thought? Uh, two and a half. I'll go down Two the and a half. I'll split yeah. it down the middle because I'm being okay. nice because I know how much you like it.
0: Oh, bless. Bless You can, oh, if you want to give it a lower one, you can, honestly, you can give my it a lower score. My score
1: would be probably a one.
0: Oh, would it really?
1: It's just, it's so, it hasn't aged well, mate. I have to be honest. And, yes. you know, I've enjoyed it for the fact that I know how, how much you enjoyed it. And as a close friend of mine, I was interested in watching it. But I probably wouldn't have watched it again if you hadn't have mentioned it.
0: Because what about, they were talk, Kurt Russell was originally cast for the lead of Conor McLeod. Would it have been better if it was um, no. Kurt Russell?
1: No, it would have made it too comedic. Kurt Russell is a comedy actor, isn't he? He's... He Very rarely back in those days, especially did anything serious so yeah, i don't think I don't think it would have worked. I think there would have been too much of a an expect expectance of him saying wacky lines and being funny
0: yeah I don't think you could have had an American guy I mean he pulled out of this to do uh, big trouble in little China anyway, so you're spot on with regard to the types really? of films he was doing i mean a, a a good film, a very good film, but fantastic um I mean for myself with Pull away from that nostalgia. Strip it down. This film was dated. Uh, Choreography is pretty bad. Um, the the storyline is really good for that time. Um, and it really fitted in. And the, the Queen vibe and the music really gave this film so much energy and drive. And, and I'm surprised it didn't do better. I'm really surprised at the figures. Uh, and I'm glad it's got the credit that it's now due. That it had a 30th um, anniversary. Which kind of shows that despite the, the kind of the way it's dated and the problems of it, that it still does hold a very close um place to people's hearts. But I don't like Sean Connery in this film. I don't think he added anything. It would have been better, even if you'd have had someone pretty much who looked Egyptian, um, you could have had the guy who played Caster Gear as someone yes. an unknown. He wasn't unknown, I mean he's a doctor in ER um in Holby City. So he is a known actor. Yeah. And someone like him. Rather than Sean Connery. He's not needed in this film. Um, but again. Clancy Brown was brilliant. He saved this film. His screen presence is so good. I wanted more of him. Give me a backstory. Give me his own film. Of the origins of uh, McCurgan. It would be superb. But the worst bits are Sean Connery. And it's laughable when they're doing their fight. And their choreography. Because it's so shit and slow. <laughs> Honestly it's so bad. But... Despite that, I'd give this film a 3 out of 5. It isn't a great film, uh, and there's so much wrong with it. I'd recommend it with lots of caveats to it that don't expect a good film, um, and I'd explain why I like it, but I don't expect a lot of people to like this film. It's just, um, with nostalgia, I'd give it a 5, and the memories, I'd give it a 5, but realistically, you're looking at a 3 at the very, very best, mate, I think. so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I can't I can't disagree with you, buddy. It's a shame, but...
0: Yeah, it's good fun. It's a really good fun film. There's nothing else I've watched this film. But we are back on Saturday or Sunday when we will be reviewing episode four of Hawkeye. So we're nearly... We've broken the back of it and we're nearly towards the end of it. So it would be interesting to see if it keeps going in the right direction because we both really enjoyed the last episode, didn't we?
1: We did. We did. It's definitely picked itself up and I'm pleased that... We've got a bit more action. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this week to see what it's going to be like.
0: Yeah, 100%. 100%. It'll be interesting to see which direction it goes in. Mm. Uh, and we'll be announcing on that podcast what film we are doing next week. So we've not spoken about it. We've got no clue as yet. So listen to the next podcast, which will be Hawkeye episode four, to find out what we're doing next. I'll obviously post everything on our um, the film cast. Check out YouTube channel. Click on subscribe. And you can catch all of the podcasts. Things are being added weekly on that, not just the things we're reviewing, but um our, some of our old episodes that aren't available on the good podcasting platforms. So that's it. Have you got anything that you want to add before we go, Neil?
1: I'd just like to say again, uh, thank you for listening to everyone. Uh, if you could leave us a comment, that would be helpful. And obviously, if you go and visit us on the YouTube channel, please do. And if you could leave us a like, I know it's a bit tropey to ask, but it does help more people be able to listen to us uh, so please if you'd be so kind
0: yeah definitely i second that and uh, thanks for the few people who have gone in uh, we've got a few new followers this week so which is really really good so thank you guys for that uh, and we'll be back next week join us at the weekend for hawkeye and you guys look after yourself thanks again for listening